0: Hey, good morning, beautiful church. Um, It's such a privilege to be sharing with you this morning as my my family. But uh, before we do that, I especially just wanted to let you know that there's one really significant event happening today. And that is Lorraine is going to be baptized. (laughs) And um, I'm I'm going to ask, sorry, Lorraine, sorry to put you on the spot, but would you mind standing? Just so that everyone can see you. and uh, it's just um, just such a special day and a special welcome again to lorraine's family who are here to support her on this this occasion right well i don't know about you but the last couple of weeks in the life of the world has been quite a bewildering time hasn't it Um, if you just look at the last week and what's happening in israel and this, these things are really unprecedented, and I, I use that um, I use that phrase quite uh, cautiously, because often people th- say things are unprecedented, but it is unprecedented. And um, but it seems like there's a whole lot of things happening at the moment that's unprecedented. Just think about the U.S. kind of imploding at the moment, sitting no government there basically, um, and just so many things. Look at the weather. We seem to hear every week news about some new record being set for the highest ever temperature. And so things are looking quite bleak in the world at the moment, aren't they? And I'm not saying this to make you feel down or glum or anything, but I believe God wants to build us up and encourage us today and prepare us for whatever difficulties might be coming our way. Now, we might think, well, down in Cape Town, we're immune from all this stuff. Climate change doesn't come our way. Well, who had trouble um, going to Amonis the last week or so? Anyone here? Um, Rivers coming across the road. uh, Floods at our Josh Jen conference. And then just a few weeks before that, waves like I've never seen before. I've lived in Cape Town my whole life. And um, unbelievable waves um, just um, arriving on the beach. Um, And one of the the great ironies for me, I don't know if you saw the video of the wave washing out in Gordons Bay Beach, Bikini Beach. Now, that was like a little haven for me when I was doing my national service, doing uh, officer's training course. I would go to Bikini Beach, never saw any bikinis. Um, (laughs) But that was like a beautiful little solace for me to get away. And now Bikini Beach, can't even be safe there. And so the question I want to put to you this morning with all these challenges in the world, where is your security going to be? Where is your security going to lie? Because um, the world is, is heading for trouble. And, um, and so that's what we're going to be asking ourselves this morning. Now, the good news is I really have a one-point sermon. So if you're keeping notes, there's one point. And um, my, the point of my sermon this morning... Is that in the midst of this trouble, God would say to us that we are his treasured possession. Now, do you believe that? You are his treasured possession. And when we see these waves pounding around us, whether they are physical waves or something else coming our way, God would want us to know that we are his treasure. Now, there's an amazing thing because in the last four weeks of our church life, it seems like so much has happened. And uh, you'll remember the story, of course, of the, uh, the wind and the storm and everything. And then there's a still voice. Well, four weeks ago, there was a still voice. And um, that was in a service here. As Estian mentioned, Dane came and preached. And he preached on the verse, um, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, which we'll have a look at in a moment. And he especially said to us that we are God's possession. And then there was an amazing thing that happened at the end of the service uh, there was a prophetic tongue which was given, and it was a really beautiful tongue. Billy came forward to give the tongue, and we could just feel God's heart as the interpretation was given, which is, you are my treasure. You are my treasure. And I almost think we are on the risk of losing that, and so God wants us to remind us today that we are his treasure, and he wants to understand that deep inside us, so we can carry this forward, that it can be a well that we can tap into um, when we are facing um, trouble. So, when you think of this word treasure, what comes to mind for you? Uh, maybe you see the guy on the beach with a metal detector, you know, looking for coins, I don't know. Um, or maybe you've got something else in mind. We all have different ideas. And this idea of treasure really is its, it's in the eye of the person who sees something as a treasure. Um, I must tell you, as as a kid, I had a very unusual treasure. Um, My dear grandmother uh, decided she wanted to knit me a teddy bear. She had a lovely thought, but she wasn't so good at knitting. And um, so this became a bit of a legend in our family. I was a little kid, and uh, it was a lovely big head and a great body and a neck which was probably about so wide, separating the head from the neck. Well, I loved this teddy you know, the pillow, the head was great for a pillow, even was a weapon sometimes, holding it by the head and taking on my brothers. And I was distraught when I discovered my mom one day just got rid of this thing. Um, I'm okay now, so it's all right. But, um, you know, my my treasure just disappeared. Well, what what is your treasure? And God again would say to us that he sees us as his treasure. And let's tap into that a little bit. So let's leave aside my pathetic story of my childhood uh, treasure. And um, I want to ask us um, this morning, how do we know that we are God's treasure? Well, the verse that Dane preached on, and if we can we can get that up here, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, I think in Josh Jane, this is a very famous verse because it defines who we are as God's church. And uh, let's just read that together. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this is kind of like a signature verse for what it means for us to be church. Now can you see the word treasure there? Look carefully. Well, no, you actually won't find it. <laughs> um, but I'll explain why. So there's, there's four things that Paul uh, Peter mentions there. He says we're a chosen priest a people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and then he says we are a people of God's own possession. And this is where the link comes into us being a treasure. And I want to explain to you why we can be very confident that when Peter says this, he is saying to us that we are God's treasure. Well, what type of, of possession did Peter have in mind here? Well, Peter he was a good Jewish man. He knew the Torah. And so when he, shares, when he writes about um, us as a church, his reference point is the Old Testament. And there's an amazing verse in the Old Testament, if we can bring that up quickly, which is Exodus verses 19, in fact two verses, verses five to six. And this is what it says. And now I've just noticed the parallel between what Peter says and what's written in uh, Exodus this is what God is saying in the book of Exodus. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Ah, The word treasure. You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Can you just see the wonder here of God He sees the whole world before him, the whole earth before him, and he says, you guys, you are going to be my treasured possession. It's a a remarkable verse, and it's got deep implications for us, and I really, my prayer this morning is that this is really going to land in our hearts to give us foundations for steadiness for whatever might be coming next. Now, you might think, okay, well, that's one verse. How can we build some kind of theology around one verse about us being a treasure. Well, now that we've made the link to this verse in the Old Testament, it's almost like there's a, there's a vein that we can start to tap into. There's, there's silver and gold. And um, if we have a look, for example, at um, the book of Deuteronomy specifically, this idea of us being God's treasure comes up again and again. Now, I, you may not know, but the book of Deuteronomy is basically a long sermon. This is Moses, he's old now, he's by the River Jordan, he can't go the other side, God's told him he's not going across, and so he delivers his sermon, Uh, it's maybe a three hour sermon, Um, we can start it now if you like, Um, it's uh, 34 chapters, and um, this is what he delivers to the people, the Joshua generation I might say, because this is the new generation going in to the promised land, and so this is what what he leaves with them. And he gives them law after law. Now, you might thinking, okay, that's crazy. Like laws like you can't eat rabbits, for example. You know, interest, interesting, interesting laws. But the heart of God, there's something else here. If you see the thread which is through all of this, God says, if you obey me, you will be blessed. You will prosper. Uh, you will be fruitful. You will be a blessing to others. There's this amazing theme God says, obey me, my people, and you're going to be a blessing. And so we can see here a motivation. Excuse me, why do we obey? Well, humanly speaking, that's cool. We get blessed. But if we dig deeper, we see a few occasions where we really see the heart of God. And it's it's like God has planted these verses in to keep on reminding us what this is all about. Why is God offering to bless us in the way He has, and there's three verses. It's almost like a repetition. We can bring the first one up, which is Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. This is what God says to his people after explaining some of the rules. He says, for you are a people holy to our Lord God. The Lord God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. You see that same phrase again. And he repeats this again. Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, the same phrase. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be a treasured possession. Moses is a teacher. He's repeating. Same concept. Literally, he's saying the same stuff. He really wants his people to get it. Maybe after a two-hour sermon, some of them have fallen asleep. Can't remember what the plot is. This is the plot. You are a treasured people. And that's the reason I'm giving you those instructions. And then right at the end again he repeats it. Deuteronomy twenty-six, eighteen. He says, And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession. And he has promised you um, and that you are to keep all of his commandments. And so God is repeating this phrase over this is God speaking. He's repeating this this phrase over and over again to mess get the message across. And the message Is a simple one. He's chosen you. Love me. Obey me. Follow me because you are my treasured ones. This is the heart. This is the impetus, the drive behind the law. Who would think that the law reveals such incredible love? Well, it does. The love it reveals is the heart of a God who looks at us and says, I treasure you. Well, for the theologians in our midst, some of you might be thinking, well, can we really use these Old Testament verses for the church today? That was then. Does it apply to us today? And uh, I don't want to get into this too deeply, but absolutely, for sure we can. We can apply this to the church today, and I can just briefly mention two reasons. One, I trust Peter. He's the apostle. He's the leader of the disciples. He was the first to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And so when he's quoting from the Old Testament, with this idea in mind of us being God's possession he's bringing this into the church today the second reason why we can we can trust this today is because we are an extension of the first Jewish church Jesus was a Jew I you know I don't know if you know that the first church was Jewish and we've been invited in and and now the church is both Jew and Gentile and so we God's people God's church today God would say to us that we are his treasured possession. Isn't it amazing, 3,000 years ago, God was saying that to his people. Four weeks ago, he was saying it to you guys. God's Holy Spirit came, a prophetic tongue was given to tell you, to declare over you, that you are his treasured possession. Isn't that a hallelujah moment? So, I want you to declare now this is how it goes. We are God's treasure. Can you say that? We are God's treasure. Now I want you to look at the person next to you who might not look like a treasure and say, you are God's treasure. <laughs> okay. I, I can see you looking a bit too long there, Colin. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, husbands and wives, like you can pull back now. <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> you're enjoying this moment, that's cool, that's cool. Right, now that's, that's wonderful. Now, I'd like each of you please now to just give like a sort of three-point theology around what treasure means. Can you do that? Or is, okay, well, I'll, I'll help. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's work through that because it's one thing to say, all right, we got treasure, but what does it actually mean? You know, does God see us like my teddy bear with a long neck? I don't know, what, what, what does God, God mean? Well, I must say, I personally struggled a little bit with this because, to be honest, I don't really have much that I consider treasure, other than people. Um, My dear daughter Hannah actually helped me last night, which was amazing. Hannah's been saving up for a saxophone for a long time, and she's been looking far and wide to find the perfect saxophone, it was a second-hand one. I went along with her to choose it. She played it, it sounded dreadful. And she said, no, no, this is a cool saxophone, what do I know? And um, she said, no, this just needs some servicing and it's going to be repaired. It's going to be a beautiful saxophone. Well, I trusted her because she (laughs) plays. And that's what happened. She spent a lot of money on the saxophone and it got repaired. It took months. And this beautiful saxophone arrived last night. And Hannah walked in the door and I thought, ah, here's a treasure. I could just see. Where is Hannah? I can't see you. I could see how she was just holding this thing. And you know what she said when she walked in the door? She said, triumphantly, it's mine. I paid for it. <laughs> well, guess what? That's where we are today. God looks at us. He says, you're mine. I've paid for you. He loves us. We might not be playing such good notes at some time. But God's doing an amazing work of repair to prepare us to be this beautiful, beautiful instrument for him. And so I want to just maybe point out a couple of verses for us to understand what we mean, what God means, or what we can understand to mean when he says that we are his treasure. Now, there are, there are two occasions in the Bible where this word treasure is used. And on both occasions, it's to do with a king. Um, the first of, well, second of the kings was King Solomon. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. He had a treasures. He had many of them. And this is a very interesting word that's used. It's the word sagula. Now, that's a Hebrew word that I really love. It means treasure. When God calls us his treasure, he uses the same word. We are his sagula. And um, now, in Solomon's case, he helps us understand because the treasure he's talking about is his personal treasure. Um, We can read about that in, uh, where is it, Ecclesiastes 2 verse 8. He's talking about everything he owns. You know, he's got a harem, he's got fields, he's got all kinds of stuff, and then he has his personal treasure. It's the treasure of a king. Now, King David himself had a personal treasure, and it's really interesting, right at the end of his life, um, when um, he was shortly to die, he's handed over all his personal treasures to go to the temple building fund. I don't know what they called it in those days. But he, he said, I, I don't need the stuff, this personal treasure. It was gold and silver and precious items. I'm not talking about the stuff he had in the bank, you know, like his gold bars and things like that. He gave that too. But the Bible is very specific. He had his personal collection of treasures. And he said, I'm devoting this to God because I love what God is doing. And I love that he's going to be building up this temple. And so when we think of this idea of a treasure... This is what we should have in mind, the treasure of a king, the treasure of something which is of immense value, and a personal possession. That's how God sees us. We are his personal possession. And, um, and so if we think about this idea then of treasure, and we try and get an idea of how God sees us, let's think of perhaps of some of the, the wealthy people in the world and, and what they would consider their treasure. I don't know, but I believe someone recently brought, bought Princess Di's uh, jersey. I know that famous red and white one. Over a million bucks. All right, there's a great treasure. Put it up on my wall somewhere. Feel really good about this, showing it to my friends. Well, I wonder what God thinks about that. It's like, really? A jersey? You know? Um, I believe um, the Sultan of Brunei. Brunei, however you pronounce it. now There's a rich guy. You know when he got married? He got married he would drive to his wedding ceremony in a gold uh, plated rolls-royce who would like to have that gold pl- it doesn't go very fast petrol bill is quite a lot because it's heavy um, I, I don't know what you pay the car guards to keep the hubcaps from being stolen <laughs> but um, you know and now what does God you know what is how does he see that well oh, that's interesting he like owns all the gold he made it all so now if you had to take this to the extreme think of the the richest, most wealthy person you can imagine. What on earth could anyone want as their great personal treasure? Well, it starts to become a meaningless conversation. It really does. And then think of God. Okay, God, he made everything. Everything belongs to him. There's nothing on this earth that doesn't belong to him. What's he going to pick for his personal treasure? Well, here's the incredible thing. He's picked you guys. It's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. If you think of God, perhaps with a crown on his head, the main diamond in his head, that's you on his crown. You are his personal treasure. It's just unbelievable. And God wants us to know this morning, this is how he sees us. He delights in us. He absolutely has joy over us. We're the desire of his heart. There's nothing more that he wants than to see us becoming the treasure that he has in mind for us. Now, that's, that's a beautiful moment. Like, wow, I'm a treasure, like selfie time. It's like I'm looking good. Well, there's danger here because we can start to think, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm this amazing person. Well, I have some bad news for you and we have to process this briefly. And this is like a little bit of the bad news part is that God has chosen you to be his treasured possession because you're cool in any way, because you're clever, because you're rich, because you're attractive. Let's look at some of the ways God selected his treasure. Deuteronomy 7, we read verse 6 just now. It carries on, 7 and 8. It says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other people, for you were the fewest of all the people. So God, like, hmm, he went and looked for the most lowly of people and said, well, you guys are going to be my treasure. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. This is what God does to us, too. He redeems us from the land of slavery. He sees us in our misery. He sees us in our sin in our unattractiveness, in the terrible things we do and have done. And he says, you're going to come over now and be my treasured possession. It's got nothing, nothing to do with you. There was nothing impressive or attractive about the nation of Israel. God God went for the underdog. He went for the least impressive. I'm sorry if any of you are Jewish. Um, And he set his heart towards this group. And he made them his treasure. He makes us his treasure only because of his love for us. No other reason. Deuteronomy 32 verse 10 says, he found him, speaking of Israel and us by implication, in a desert land, in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, putting his love around him, his protection. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. There's no beauty contest here. You don't need to stand up and and be beautiful God chooses us and says, you are my treasure. Isn't that incredible? And so if you think you are God's treasure because there's something impressive about you, well, you don't yet know how God's work. It's got nothing to do with you. It's not your good looks. It's not the church you were raised in. It's not your parents. It's not your nationality, maybe your passport. It's not your intellect. It's not your bank account. It's not the amazing things you have done. You are God's treasure because God is a treasure-seeking God. He's looking for treasure, and he's chosen us to be his treasure and nothing else. So I'm hoping now we've got a, a pretty good grasp of what it means for us to be his treasured possession. And now we, we have to ask ourselves, well, how does this impact us? You know, we can't, we can't just walk away feeling good. This, this is something that God wants to plant in us that we can carry forward as a people. And I think the first thing this does is it gives us a tremendous comfort and security. You see, we've seen this word, this word segula. It's used six times in the Old Testament to talk of God's people as his treasured possession. And one thing that a king will do to safeguard his treasured possession, he will will take every effort to make sure it's safe. He will put it in a safe place. He will appoint his guards over it. He'll have layers of security nothing's going to break in and steal the Segula of a king. And uh, what comes to my mind, those of you like um, the hobbits and the Lord of the Rings, think of the dragon, Smog, I think his name is, lying there on his, on his treasure with the ark and stones sitting there, and he's just keeping an eye on it. Nothing's coming close. Of course, it didn't end well for the dragon. But, and I'm not suggesting God's a dragon, but this God, is, he is jealous for you. He's, he's taking care of you. And just think of the resources available to, to God if you are his personal uh, treasure. The angels in heaven and uh, all of his resources. The, he, he, he loves you. He encircles you. Puts his hedge of protection around you and says, you are my treasure. He won't let us go. And so if we are God's treasure, it's the safest, safest place to be. And it's safe at a, at a deeply personal level. Because to be God's treasure is to belong to God. And I'm amazed we actually sang over that just in a moment. Let's bring the verse up. We sang about that a moment ago. Song of Solomon says, 2 verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. This is how we see our relationship to God. We belong now. It's not just that, oh, I'm a treasure. No, we belong. We belong to him. Isn't that the amazing, most safe place to be? We belong to him and he belongs to us. We've got a a longing, a belonging um, to the God of the universe. And nothing, nothing is going to take that away from us because he loves us and he protects us. And then Zechariah 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quieten you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. We were encouraged to sing loudly this morning. God sings over us in that way because he sees us as this treasure that he has chosen. This is the God who is for us, a God who is not against us. And we're coming to an end now, but there is a second implication, and that strangely there is some work to be done, even though we might think of ourselves as a treasure sitting there in a treasure chest somewhere. This is not a static thing. There's a work in progress with us. And it's interesting that we, when we read about this treasure in the book of Deuteronomy, that the verse tells us an interesting thing. It's, it's a little bit awkward the way it comes across. He says he chose us to be a people for God's treasured possession. It's like I'm setting my eyes on you. This is where we're going. you treasured now, but you, there's a journey. You're going to be set apart, and you're going to be this treasure for me. Um, and it's a subtle difference, but it's important. Um, and um, it's not that simply we are inherently a treasure. It's not just that God says, oh, look at those guys, they're treasures. No, no, he looks at us and he says, you are set apart to be my treasure. And I think here of, um, of the prodigal son. You know, I guess he didn't think he was a treasure when he came back with his, um, you know, his head down, um, shoulders sagging. And his father says, come to me, I'm going to put this ring on your finger because you're my treasure. Um, and so God acts and he, he moves to make us something that we're not. That's a wonderful thing. It's not just pretend like, okay, you're now my treasure. He really makes us something of value. And that's how, we, how he sees us. And there's an interesting verse. Um, this is perhaps one of the last verses um, in the Bible that talks about us being a treasure, a segula. Malachi 3 verse 17 It's got a very interesting phrase. It says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. This is an incredible thought that even though we are God's treasure now, God is assembling something beautiful, even more beautiful. And of course, we know now that the thing that he's putting together is a bride um, and the most beautiful ornaments for the bride with the most beautiful dress. It's a glorious thing. God is preparing us to be. And so though we are of value to him now inherently, he looks on us and he says, you are my treasure. He's converting us into a real treasure, something that really is of value. It's like God is a master jeweler and he's he's putting this this thing of immense value together. And what this reminds me of is um, Ephesians 1 verse 18, which I've always thought is an amazing verse. It says, I pray, and this is going to be the prayer of our hearts now as we come to an end, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It's not talking about our inheritance. It's talking about his inheritance. Isn't this amazing? God is saying, you guys are my inheritance. And he's rejoicing over that. And so the glory of that comes our way. We enjoy an inheritance, too, because God gets us. It's just such an incredible thing. And so there's, there's a movement here. God is turning us into something which is truly, truly of value. And so as we come to an end here, I, I have three questions that I want you to consider. And some of them might be simple for you to answer. Others might be more challenging. The first question I want to ask is do you count yourself amongst God's treasured possession? This is the most important question you can ask yourself. Because when everything comes to an end, when the waves have finished crashing on the shore, uh, when the walls in Israel have come to an end, whatever that end looks like, um, the bad news is, or the good news, there is only going to be a treasured possession. There there is no one else who's going to survive. God... We have to run to him because this is how we, uh, we achieve our salvation. This is how we escape the calamity that's coming our way. And so we, we must not have any doubts about this. And so I would, I would urge you this morning, if you're not sure if you're part of God's treasured possession, come and talk to one of us this morning, one of the elders, myself, and be sure because today could be the day that God says to you, you are my treasured possession. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Think about that and respond today. Don't let that go. Then the second question I I would like to ask us all, are you living today like you are God's greatest treasure? You think about this picture in the Bible of what it means for us to be treasure. How do we live if we are God's treasure? Well, it brings to us a peace, doesn't it? It brings to us a joy. God is singing over us. It brings to us a quietness of soul. It, it brings to us um, a serenity in all the trouble that comes away. It gives to us a focus that we, we, we turn our eyes to our beloved and we don't worry about all these things. Um, I'm reminded of Ephesians 4 verse 1, which says we are to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. If we are this amazing treasure, which we are, let's live it out then in a, in a, um, a worthy manner. And so are you living... In such a way right now that you are god's greatest treasure and then the third question i have which perhaps is um is more for those in, th- amongst you that consider yourself leaders in some way and um, very often that's like you know most of the people in the church that's how it works um, and here's the thing god wants leaders who treasures what god's treasures so if god looks at this church and says you are my treasure Well, what should our treasure be too? Well, of course, God himself is our first treasure. But we should be loving what God treasures, which is his people. And I find David's example very interesting. He collected his personal treasure. He looked at all this personal treasure and he said, hmm, it's not really worth much. I'm seeking a greater treasure, which at that stage was God's temple, the presence of God with his people. And so he got rid of all of his treasures and he said, I'm giving this, I'm dedicating it to the Lord. But now there's an interesting thing. It doesn't look that good on David's CV because this was right at the end of his life. Um, So, you know, if you've collected all these treasures and then, all right, I'm about to die, you can't take it with you anyway. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about David, but he waited until the end. And I'm asking you today... What are the things that are your treasure that God wants you to give to him? Maybe they take the form of some kind of idol. Maybe it's something even good that just takes up your time. And God says, set aside your treasures and let my treasure be your treasure too. And so, will you give up your little personal treasures? Maybe your little gold-plated limousine on the side, you know. (laughs) And will you instead pursue God's treasure? Amen. Amen.